Welcome back to Who's Larry with Jack and Sarah and Eddie Brett. Jack, are you ready to dive in deeper? I was born to dive in deep. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) What did that mean? (laughs) That was a bit weird. That was a bit weird, sorry. Let's get on with the episode. (laughs) So the music took a a, a bit of a standstill to obviously come out then, but, but you weren't... You weren't, like, not busy. At what point did you go on the Oli Mers tour? Because you were playing arenas. So that, like like you said, you dreamed of playing arenas. So that would have been the, the biggest thing that kind yeah, of... That would so, have been a, a huge and, bucket and list. And this was what up. was so annoying at the time because everything was stacked up. Like, going back to how the show was sweet for us, everything was stacked up nicely. Like, the... Um, the PR company were getting inundated with people that wanted to do stuff with us, like write articles on us. The TV um, lady, she was getting inundated with people going, oh, can we have the boys on our show? Can we have the boys on our show? The radio plugger, not not national, like not Radio 1, they didn't give a shit about us, but you have to go, look, like, I don't give a shit about Radio 1 at some point, otherwise you can't live your life. But um, yeah. everywhere else, all over the UK, all the other radio stations were like, oh, we'd love the boys. And that was just as um, 1975 Chocolate was coming out. So everyone was like, it would have fitted on nicely, Love Sick and Chocolate. They were thinking, right, this is a wicked time for British band music, like this pop thing, uh, a Love Sick and a Chocolate, like that's a great playlist. Um, but they never released it. So it was like all these people were clucking but they didn't have anything to surface them. And it was the same with our yeah. live agent. We had so many people wanting us to do live gigs, but we had, we didn't have the single out. So we're doing all these gigs off the back of people listening to our music on YouTube. So they were legally downloading it. And mm. it's just like, it's just like a mad time of like, can you, it was just, we just felt like our balls were being crunched by Psycho. And I was just Adam in a wrench and going, because it would have been so easy to just stick out a song yeah. and it would have popped off because we we were at all these festivals and everyone was singing Lovesick and Honest. So it's like... And it was such a catchy tune. And that's the thing. Every, I, I remember it. Everybody wanted a slice of you and like you would have been all over the live gigs and, and stuff like that because not only were you were you great and you, you wrote catchy tunes and stuff like that as well, but as a live band, you were interested and it was a little bit different to kind of what had been done before. My old band, we got we got a gig because I saw someone tweeted you after you'd split up looking <laughs> for a band and I was like, well, if they're not about anymore, I'll, I'll punt that gig. <laughs> so uh, thanks for that one, mate. But you were you were inundated with, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean, requests and stuff. Like, it's just frustrating, really, just because yeah, as it a songwriter, like I feel like I got my number one chance taken away from me because at that moment in time, and I know it sounds quite an arrogant thing to say, like to assume you would have had a number one. But like, I was walking around London and builders were singing, love sick and I'm sick of this. Like, and then I'd go to a festival and I'd have a crowd of people singing, love sick and I'm, and I'd go to a radio station and I'd be like, oh, I love that, love sick. I'd go to a uni and everyone was singing it. And this is a song that's never been released. So how many, how can you tell me that many people know a song and, and like it that's never been released? Like it was like a, yeah. it was like this weird space and time scenario where that that's probably a, a situation that has not really ever happened before. As a song that's a, a ha- hit that's never been released. And then when it was released, like how did it do? Well, when we in, released in it, we released like it four years later. The moment had gone. <laughs> yeah, with Psycho. So it's like if you'd ever wanted that song, you got it by then, just by nicking it off YouTube. 
it was just really frustrating. Yeah, I can imagine. So throughout throughout that process, I mean, we look we look back on the reality TV side of things, and it's so great. You've got because you hear a lot of people that have been on reality TV who probably have a, a lot of bad things to say about that side of the things. But for you, obviously, that was such a such a highlight. What was some of the the happiness highlights? Taking away, obviously, the the record deal and all the all the faff that went with it. What were some of the career highlights for you? After the show, that that kind of brought you the, the the show brought those joyous moments to you. Is there any? Is there a couple of moments that you can pinpoint? Well, I don't want to come across this as saying like, this is after much evaluation to cipher what fucked up with the record label, right? And it's that it's that first chunk was like the annoying part, but then once that sort of skirted over, once they said we're waiting to release the single. It was like right, that's gone to bed now. And then we work, we put out what a night. And what a night went to number nine. It was midweeks number four, but because everything else was getting played on Radio One and we hadn't been, it was a week when it was uh, Nelly's my hey little Porsche, I wanna you. Oh yeah. And it was yeah. that. And then um, Pharrell had just <laughs> released his song with um, where uh, his comeback track with Daft Punk, Lucky, which was oh, like yeah. the biggest yeah, song, get lucky. like of that year and, yeah. and it all landed in that month so it's just kind of funny to just see you like nestled between all these american artists that you've grown up knowing and then like you're like wow i'm actually like a contender in the charts against them but yeah we went on tour with Oli Murs, so we're playing o2 stadiums wembley arena we're going around the metro arenas like the armadillo every every venue in the country like i can honestly say that i've played it which is Incredible, man! And you had thousands of people singing back you. Yeah, that, that seems like the dream. Like you, I bet if you t- if you told Eddie Brett that the year before Britain's Got Talent, right? You do this, this, and this, you'd be like, mm. right, cool, I'm happy with All that. All day long, like, more than was, enough. It's such a lovely crowd as well. Like Ollie's fans, they're proper up for it, and it, he's got such an energetic show that we slotted in really nicely. Um, so it wasn't like you know when you do gigs and you're sort of like preempting how it might go down. Um, you're like, oh, are they going to get us tonight? Like, is there going to be anyone there? This is like the first <laughs> time we would go to a gig and know it was sold out and they would love us. <laughs> and yeah. it, was like, it was such a chilled scenario to the point yeah. that we started playing pranks and stuff on each other like because we were so chilled and it was such, such an enjoyable thing. Um, and the catering was incredible. So it's like you're having three courses every day and it's like, wow. That is good. That's the highlight, really. <laughs> the food. It's fantastic. How did um how did you find the fame side of things? Because obviously, straight off the back of the show, I, I imagine when when you're getting into music and stuff like that, there would have been an element that would be like, I don't, and you can say, yeah, that was me. I hold my hands up, or or no. But before it all, was there a point of view that was like, I want everybody to know my name and I want to be in the papers and all this stuff, that element of fame. And then once you got it, was there any points where you're like, I actually don't like this, or were you like I'm happy, I love this, I could live this life. Because wasn't there, like, rumours about you with different girls or in, uh, in the papers and stuff like that, or have I made that up? Right, so the first one was fame. My reaction to that is because me as a person, I am kind of split personalities depending on my vibe. Like, there was definitely the part of me that was, like, the ugly kid at school, spotty. Like, I was never the first choice with the girls out of my group of mates. So, like, now this is the point in time where I'm like, now I am, all right? Um, so there was certainly that thing of like, yes, yes. Um, it was mm. like a sense of, uh, I don't know how to explain it. You feel like you're 
don't know. You did, you, yeah, there was, there's definitely a sense of something there that I enjoyed. Um, however, there was also the part that I felt really trapped. And I'm also quite introverted. I'm a writer, do you know what I mean? I'm very in touch with my emotions and, and I like isolation and connecting with them from, from a back seat. So it wasn't so, like, I don't mind people knowing me, but what did piss me off is that they knew me for something as uh, throwaway as just because I was on telly. So like, if you'd come up to me and be like, oh, I love your music, like that lyric you wrote, oh, it really talks to me, like, can I have a photo? I'm like, oh, absolutely. Like, and yeah, where are you from? Let's have a chat. I'd, like, I, I, I'd love that scenario. However, when it's like people just running up to you because you been on ITV and like oh there's them boys <laughs> off the telly factor show and, and, and then I'm like I am the person that will say fuck off and then yeah. you get branded as this grumpy person so then you have to be careful because it's it's not me reflecting myself it's me reflecting my band and when I'm doing that I'm also like representing Sonny and Tate so if I tell someone to yeah. fuck off or I'm rude to them that's like messing them up so now I've got to zip it and just smile, and then I did start to feel like a, a candle getting like snuffed out because I just wanted mm. to say fuck off, like have have some respect and some manners. If you want to fight with me just because I've been on telly, no. <laughs> but if if you like what I do, absolutely, like come sit and have a beer with me. Like let's talk this through. Let's let's have a great night together. But it was too much of the other stuff. Um, I just felt very. It was too much. Yeah, I, I didn't like it. Overwhelming. That's the word. It was very overwhelming at that moment in time. Um, so I, I, I enjoyed it a little bit. It was, it's that thing of like, I enjoyed it when I was up for it, but then mm. most of the time I wasn't because I was gigging and I was tired and I just wanted to just have me time. And then, then it was overwhelming. But I mean, it's fun thinking back now that I can even say shit like that. <laughs> Overall, looking back at the whole kind of reality tv experience how has it changed your view of these shows because at the beginning of this conversation you mentioned like oh why would we go on like reality shows like they're rubbish we hate that has that changed your perspective and do you like still enjoy watching them well i never <laughs> do you watch them? i never enjoyed watching them and i, I, I don't <laughs> uh, the only reason i never watch it is i watch ollie when he does the voice final i want to see how he got on Sonny's just got his on skate, uh, skating, ice skating show at the moment. Dancing on ice. Yeah, dancing on ice. <laughs> Strictly come skate with me. <laughs> uh, so I'll watch him on that. I, I like trash TV when I know it's trash TV. Yeah. Like, so I love a dating show and I love like Towie and Made in Chelsea because I know what they are. However, these other shows, they're like, I just feel, because it makes me sad that there's not something else, right? Because as an artist, we need exposure. And there's nothing else that offers the exposure that you can get from a show like that. And I just mm. don't understand why someone can't be creative and find some sort of halfway house that works for everyone. But then the general public aren't as deep as me. So they love a sub story. They love these things. They're formats that work and they'll keep chowing on oh them. they'll be going forever yeah, 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 but you say that but like things like x factor are kind of dying out like people are becoming less interested i think because they're starting to realize that actually 
the musical value is a lot less than we might have originally thought and the entertainment value is just becoming a bit samey yeah, people but, are looking for something but then different at, now. at the end of the day with all them shows it's only as good as the talent you're getting on it so very true like you think with anything there's series of big brother that just come and go but then there's mm. ones that have become cultural phenomenons and it's always <laughs> yeah. because the people they had on them were like just great um, and it, I felt lucky with our year that there was it was a great year. So there were some really interesting characters. It's the same mm-hmm. when you think of like James Arthur's year on The X Factor, where you had like Lucy Spraggan and um, and Ryland, Ella Henderson and Union J. Like there's a real variety of talent on that, and they are genuine talent. You can tell that because they're still working. Like they're great yeah. characters. So it was a great show. And if you tell me any different, well you. D- fucking lying you didn't watch it or just get over yourself because <laughs> you can't be pleased we've got to admit as much as reality tv might not be for the individual purpose what it's done for the musical generation it has brought some huge huge worldwide superstars one direction one of the biggest bands of all time whether they might be your cup of tea they might not if you look at their accolades and the success they've had they're huge yeah it's it's, it's a very interesting thing because it's like it's industry snobbery and it's like cultural snobbery for anyone that's going to bad mouth certain people. But then it's like anything, right? Like me talking about I'm representing Sonny and Tay in my brand, in like and I, brand, not band, like my brand. So if they do something that's really cringy, like it's devaluing our brand. The trouble is with the show, it is a brand. So you're at the mercy of what other people are doing on it. So if they're doing really embarrassing stuff and they're awful, it's bringing down all the talent as well. Whereas, yeah. Um, so that's kind of where it gets seen as naff because someone will go through for weeks and weeks and weeks, even though they've got a terrible voice. I mean, obviously, I've said I've included Ryland on the list of like <laughs> talents because he's a talented character. Like he's a funny bloke and he's ballsy, and you like him because of that. But he does have a terrible voice. So him on a singing show does devalue it, even though it's great entertainment. But they never claim to be a talent show. I mean, Britain's Got Talent (laughs) is more so than The X Factor, but The X Factor claims to be an entertainment show rather than a talent search. Do you know what I mean? They are bringing talent to the table, but they are entertaining the masses. Mm -hmm. We have our views about reality TV, and it's great to kind of hear your insight of kind of the journey and the happiness and, and what it brought to you. When it comes to Larry, obviously, we're always on the search for this bloke. Who do you reckon Larry is? If I said the happiest bloke in the world, 100%, do you reckon he would go on Britain's Got Talent? Do you reckon he sits at home and he watches the shows? What kind of person do you reckon Larry could be? So ultimately for me, like, talking about Larry, it's quite... Don't, don't do the quote no, 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 being filmed. Larry's it's a real bloke, a, we're going to find him. I not to get, like, it's quite an emotional thing because up until I went on Britain's Got Talent, no one had ever told me my songs were good. So being on stage that time was the first time anyone had ever told me, like, wow, that's an incredible song. Before that, I was just in this band at a college with my mates, trying to get a gig with some people to come, trying to get more people to come. No one's ever saying, like, wow, like, you're generally incredible. And then we went there, and then they said that they loved the song. Like, that was, like, the thing they kept mentioning and that is my identity, is my songs and my writing. 
So for them to tell me that, that was the first time that I'd ever been told that. And it gave me this incredible sense of like, yes, yes, that this, this can stand up. And then after that, I got a publishing deal. And it was like, wow, I, I am good. <laughs> I'm now like at a professionally good level of writing songs. And then other people agreed. And, and it's like, yeah, that, that, that for me was such an incredible moment. And, and I, ne I never had it until that time on the show. But then going off further, going through everything that I went through, all the experience, like it was my fault that the record label stuff didn't work as well because I wasn't sure who I was. So as much as I was saying I don't want to do that production, I wasn't saying this is exactly how I want it to sound. I was just getting drunk and going to parties and having fun and, and all that stuff. So it's only now that I'm like, I know who I am now. And that's been like such a long journey. So that's Larry in itself, really. It's like, I still love what I do. And I look, I look back now and I can smile and listen to my music and love it. And remember the times that I went to Wembley Stadium and still have my, like, what do they call it? Still have my nose in the game or whatever. Because I'm not bored of it yet. I'm not tired of it. I don't hate it. I'm excited. I'm rejuvenated. I'm re-energised to still do it and go for like round two of whatever the world wants to bring. So mm. that is Larry. And you don't get that when you're young because uh, you're still trying to work it all out. Well, you touched on something beautiful, I think, there. It's like if, if you are going to be this happy, positive person, and, and I don't know, it, it might be true. Some people might agree. But... How do you know what happiness is unless you've kind of lived and in, in, in the kind of the Buddhists say it is in order to be happy, you have to experience sorrow. You have to go through pain and suffering because that is the opportunity to show reflection and say, well, that is what that was and this is what this is. So I know I'm in a, a great place now. So I think for you to go through that journey and you've had your ups and downs with the van, but only now you can look back and be like, that is my happiness. That is my my peak. And the fact that you're you're still doing it and you're still still writing and you're still plugging away it that brings you your yeah, happiness like, and even quickly jumping on the back of that i was just thinking it's like i mentioned earlier that i wasn't speaking to my dad at the time like mm -hmm. and that was like that's hard for any youngster when you're just harboring these emotions fucking love my dad now like we've got such a great relationship and we know so much about each other we've got incredible respect for what each other do and i feel like i can continue my learning from him so like now in this place, 2021, where we get on so well, same with the band, like we didn't speak for a few years. This week, like I've, I've texted Sonny and Taylor a couple of times and it's like, wow, like well, how's this all sort of end up coming back round? And it's like, and now Sonny's going on Dancing on Ice. It's like, that's the <laughs> maddest thing ever. But he's not doing it in, in spite of anyone and, it, and we're here cheering him on. Like, even though we're, we're not gigging at the moment, but we, we can be happy for him and his progress and stuff and Tay's working on his music and although it's so removed from what we did as a band and he sort of he he, he would never do the band stuff because it's, it's not what he's about but I'm like mm. it's right as well for you like that's who you should be that's who you are that's how, how you're being and it's it's just really cool that like it, it all feels more wholesome now there's no like <laughs> argumentative side of anything yeah it's all energies man you're talking about like Japanese sayings and I'm all about that <laughs> Buddhist Zen Namaste energy universe manifestation stuff I love it it's beautiful it though. It, and you sit there and you you do your manifesting and you do your meditating and you get more in touch with yourself you do become a happier person we've got someone coming up where we, we talk about that and Larry's definitely 
as as much as he might sit sit down and binge watch Towie, he definitely is a bit zen as well. Oh, it's almost right. like the hindsight is what's brought you the happiness in some ways. Yeah, perhaps it's it's that's the songwriting creative of just overthinking everything and you you can swim you can swim around hindsight there's loads of, <laughs> loads of stuff there if like a band came to you now saying they were thinking of going on britain's got talent or whatever would you tell them to go for it would you recommend it looking back at your experience i always say like because people do ask me that quite frequently and i say if you have to ask me don't do it <laughs> you it's, That's it's a good not response. i can't tell you what it's the same if anyone says oh my daughter's a dancer like should she, yeah, she, she get into it and i'm like if she has to ask me no don't do it or, yeah. or like a singer oh he's, he, would you recommend it as in, no no if you have to ask me don't do it like because you have to have that gusto and that energy just in spite of whether you should you should know you should never do it and still want to do it and then you you might yeah do it. but if you're not sure about it i was dating this girl recently and she had a go at me for this like it was basically we didn't speak to each other for a little while and then i met up with her recently and um we was just chatting about oh like well, oh, what happened or whatever and then she mentioned the fact that i like told her she shouldn't pursue her dreams and I was like, no, 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 I didn't say that. I said, if you need to ask me whether you should pursue yeah. your dreams, they're not your dreams. <laughs> like, Because yeah. yeah, they're, they're your dreams, they're not mine. So they're your dreams, you just do it. And you should have, you should know that that's your thing. And the fact that she hasn't made any progress, I was obviously right. Like, <laughs> What was her dream? She wanted to, it's, she's talking about being an actress. And, and I'm really like, right. I'm really honest with, uh, I read this book called Radical Condor. Um, I'd recommend it to anyone listening to this and to you too. And it's basically about like how you don't do any favours fluffing about conversations. You might think you are, but ultimately you're just prolonging someone's like journey to doom. So if you know one of your mates stinks of BO, but you never say anything, you're not stopping them smelling a BO. You're just putting them in more situations where they're going to end up embarrassing themselves. Whereas if you just tell them straight away, they can go... Oh shit! I didn't even realise that. Thank you so much. Like, how do I stop smelling like bo? But then, but then that's the thing. So that yeah. So that's what I was like to her. Like, look, if you have me, if you need me to like try and infuse. Once you're there, once you're there, I'll support anyone. I help them along the way. Like, I'll be there for all your auditions. Help go through the scripts and stuff. But you need to get on that journey, whatever it is yourself. You can't rely on other people because they're not going to be there for the rainy days. It'll be you by yourself thinking, ah, oh, I should never do this. But you need to be the one to get yourself through that because mm. that's all that's going to be there. I agree. Yeah. And and you've just written a book, so just, oh. just plug yourself, Eddie. I, will, yeah. I wouldn't forget your book. Tell us yeah, what you're so doing. I, well, I just finished my website, so eddiebrett.com. So that's like where you can go to find out anything. But yeah, I wrote a book. I um, After the band, I sort of knew that I didn't... Well, I didn't know that I didn't want to do music, but I certainly knew that there was other areas of myself that I wanted to explore. So I went... And I moved to South of France for quite a while and just started writing this, this book. Then I, and then I came back and then I bought a boat and I was living on the boat. And then I wrote a bit more of the book and an album. <laughs> and then I put the album out. But I didn't want to work with anyone because I was so done with working with people. I was like, no, I'm going to do it all myself. I'm going to promote myself and I edit it around. <laughs> just because it was like, I didn't want to work with anyone and you don't get anywhere in life doing everything yourself it's just stupid mm. don't do it always collaborate it's amazing stuff that can happen there um so then eventually 
I was, then I got to the point where it's like this book was like five years old now. Is it too silly? And a lot has changed in the world in five years in terms of like my maturity. And there's only so many willy jokes that are funny before you think you're nearly 30, mate. Like that's not funny anymore. <laughs> uh, so over lockdown, I went through it again and I was just like, no, look, I'm getting this over the line. It is what it is. It is a bit silly. So it's a coming of age book about this young boy called Herbert and this adventure that he goes on trying to become a film director. But the crux of it is his parents are really old. So it's like he gets brought into the world from unusual circumstances. So he grows up like an old man in a kid's oh. body. And, and it's all of the sort of like trials and tribulations that that brings on his journey that actually sounds quite good <laughs> amazon.com odd herbert do it. eddie brett and the reviews are cracking so it reads well as well <laughs> thank you for listening i'm jack frimston and i'm sarah tabar and that was the wonderful eddie brett from the former band lovable rogues who was telling us all about his time on britain's got talent i absolutely love that episode what have we got next time, Jack? So next time, I'm so excited because I'm going to be getting my inner peace on. I'm a big lover, peace, happiness, joy for all. And we're going to be talking to one of my friends, Zara, who is going to talk us through spirituality and being happy. We'll see you there. <laughs>